0: Alright, welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I'm Josiah Kane. And I'm sitting across from Josiah. My name is Chuck <laughs> Jones. It always has to be a little bit tricky. <laughs> this morning we're uh, once again at IHOP and uh, I had the a, a simple and fit two egg breakfast, which is eggs, some turkey bacon, I know. It's turkey bacon, but it wasn't terrible and uh, some fruit and some toast and uh, accompanying that is a, was a cup of coffee and it's been delicious necessary I had uh, classic crepe
1: breakfast crepes crepes not crepes. not crepes
0: <laughs> but they were good So today, uh, we're going to be finishing off our February series for uh, the Book of Proverbs. And so today is the 27th. So we'll be going over the 27th, 27th chapter of the Book of Proverbs. And as Chuck reminded us at the end of the last episode... Um, and I was talking about how we were going to record this episode. He reminded me of the first words of chapter 27 that says, Do not boast about tomorrow. <laughs> but we're finally here, so we can talk about it. Why don't you... But it's not tomorrow anymore. True. It's today. So we can we can boast about today. I don't know if it works that way. What? Uh, what... What verses do you think we should read? Uh, Five. Okay, why don't you read the first five? First
2: five.
1: Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy, and the sand weighty, but the provocation of a fool is heavier than both of them wrath is a fierce and anger is a flood but who can stand before jealousy better is open rebuke than love that is
2: concealed there i read it
0: you did a great job do not boast about tomorrow you do not know what a day may bring." What do you think the wisdom is in that? Pretty much what it says.
1: We're not fortune tellers. Can't see into the future. We won't be bragging about what you're going to do. You may never get around to doing it.
0: So the implication is that there's a downside to boasting about something and then and not coming to pass. Yeah. What's the downside of that? Embarrassment. False promises. Shame. Egg on your face. Yeah. I think it can be... can be damaging even to potentially the reputation of, of God. If you boast about something you're gonna do for him and it doesn't come to pass, you mm. know. I think there's just some wisdom and and
2: don't don't
0: count your eggs before they hatch, you know. Don't don't count the chickens before they hatch. Right. Kind of why boast about tomorrow? You know, you're you're just doing it for your own sake to talk yourself up. Yep. doesn't change anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Doesn't
0: improve your situation. It just sets you up for failure. And it kind of goes along with verse two, which, as you read, says, "Let let another praise you, and not your own mouth; a stranger, and not your own lips." So, kind of this own the kind of carrying on the theme of humility here. And it's always better to receive praise via other people rather than praising yourself because it means more yeah you say anything about yourself but when it comes from another person it's more reputable and it means something else yes yes it does it turns it from an arrogance an arrogant statement into a truthful statement so if I if if Chuck said hey I'm, I'm a really good guy and I always pay my loans and he's trying to convince someone of that it might not mean much but if his best friend who's a banker who has known him for 10 years comes along and says yeah Chuck's a really good guy who always pays his loans you know it means more right right it's
1: just a, a matter of boasting mm. of the said in verse 1 don't boast about tomorrow Don't brag about what you're going to be doing, what you're going to get accomplished. Let somebody else praise you, which in my mind is an afterword sort of thing. You Don't praise people for the plans they come up with. You praise people for the plans they accomplish.
0: Whether you like Trump or not, the truth is that he boasts about a lot of things he wants to do. And there's a lot of things that... Haven't gotten done that he he's boasted about yeah. doing. Yeah. Those are, that's just a fact. Um, and I, you can see how it's not worked out well for him in every situation.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Super Bowl's just over. Don't want to date the talks, but you could have set the two coaches in a room together and then had them talk about what their game plan was and. Would that decide the Super Bowl, the championship? Talk, talk, talk. Let's get down to business.
0: So I'm kind of, um, I'm interested in what verse three means because I don't think I have the full understanding here. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. So is that talking? Is it, what is what exactly is that saying? Is it saying pick up a
1: heavy stone and walk through loose sand with it?
0: <laughs>
1: can you imagine what that would be like?
0: I can. Yeah, it would be uh,
1: difficult. Well, if <coughs> fools getting after you—that is worse. Hmm. When he's provoking you,
0: they don't know when to stop. And so what is the wisdom? Is that just stating a fact that... Or is that trying to lead you away from maybe dealing with fools? You know, just kind of, like, get rid of them. Like, don't spend time with them.
1: Don't waste your time on them, no. Yeah.
0: It's kind of this... We've seen that kind of wisdom before. It's... Yeah. Don't mess around with fools, you know. Don't stick around people who say things like that or whatever so I uh, I was at Converge, which is a young adult uh, retreat in the northeastern Connecticut and I did a sermon on jealousy there and I looked at this verse during my sermon preparation and jealousy is kind of this force that can, is, is kind of like erosion in a person's life so it might not seem like a big deal at first but eventually it, it eats away at you so like anger is a we've all experienced anger and and we've all experienced wrath but they've all come to pass you know they're kind of a temporary emotion. The situation changes and then they're gone but jealousy is kind of this thing that stays locked into who you are and it's kind of this unquenchable feeling it's this unquenchable emotion that kind of just eats away at you over and over again and it ultimately leads to taking you down i mean it took down saul he was jealous of david it took down david he was he was jealous of another man's wife you know it led to the first murder in history with Abel. You know, Cain was jealous of how God viewed Abel's sacrifice over his. And, you know, it led to all kinds of problems. And it's not like it's overnight that this happens, but it kind of festers and it sits. And, it, and it, if you don't nip it in the butt really quickly, it will, it will crumble you. It will take you down. I'm going to go ahead and then read five through ten because I think five and six kind of flow together so verse five says better is open rebuke than hidden love faithful are the wounds of a friend profuse are the kisses of an enemy one who is one who is full lowest honey but one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. It sounds all true to me. It sounds all true to me. You know, there have been times where I've been on the receiving end and the giving end of friendly rebuke to some of my closest friends, you know, where they've told me things that are true about myself that I didn't want to acknowledge. And Don't bring that up! <laughs> and I've told them things that they didn't want to hear either, but in the end it's only brought us closer together and made us stronger and made yes. us better, better Christians. In the end. Do that. But I've also heard of of people who listen to thank you I've also heard of People who have listened to the words of maybe people who don't care about them as much or who aren't as close to them, and they are justified by those words. They think they're doing everything correctly, and and it ends up bad for them because they don't they don't listen to the people who love them and care about them the most. They don't listen to their friends. They don't listen to their family. Instead, they listen to the people who tell them what they want to hear. Yeah, but they're really their enemy. What do you think verse seven means? Oh, well, let me
1: look. I gotta turn the page. A satisfied man loathes honey. You wanna get some breakfast? (laughs) I'm pretty full. (laughs) See, that's what that means. But a famished man, any bitter thing is sweet.
0: If you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything, mostly. I once had a really long fast. I don't think I've ever tasted better bread in my life than the bread I ate right after my fast. Man, it was, mm, man, it was good. So what do you think this whole whole language about friends and neighbors is? Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Well,
1: Your father probably has some pretty good friends. Yeah. You know most of them? I do. Would you turn your back on them? No. There you go. You got that covered. (laughs) Don't forsake your own friend or your father's friend. I think talking about a personality trait, are you friendly or are you... A manipulator. Are you somebody that uses people for their own gain? Oh, here's a guy that knows my dad. Maybe I can get some good out of him. Well no, don't you don't look at people for your own gain. What you can get out of them. You look at people the other way around, I think. What can they get out of you? How can you enrich their life? Yeah. I have a friend, I call him on the phone, the first thing he says, what can I do for you today?
0: How can I bless you today? And he means it. It's nice to have good friends. And usually, friends are people that you spend a lot of time with that are nearby, you know? And I think that's kind of, I think that's part of the wisdom here is, these are the people that are gonna be near you when things go wrong people who are closest to help you, even though you may have a family or a brother or someone else you could rely on, but they're not right there, you know? Right. So I think it's wise to, I think the wisdom here is to maintain those relationships, not not just for the sake of when times get hard that you'll have something to fall back on, because there's a lot, there's a lot more richness in it than that, but... I think certainly that's the wisdom that, hey, keep these friends. Don't turn your back on them. Listen to them. Because when times get hard, these are going to be people that are here for you. Or not here for you, depending on yep. Yep. how you kept that relationship with them.
1: Don't go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. You're going to rely on your family until something happens... You need a new battery for your car.
0: Who are you going to call? Battery Busters. (laughs) We had the same thought. Well, you could call your dad,
1: and he'd probably feel sorry for you.
0: He's not very close, though. No, he's not. Can't do much help.
1: The familial tie, I guess, is what I'm looking at here better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. The fact is, help that's closer is better than help that is far away. Oh, that's true. That last funeral we were at, my friend Barth Gorby was there and he was flattering me, saying things like, oh, you're just the best friend and and he I love you and all of this stuff and his wife said yeah that's the truth but he he lives up in Truffaut. Well it got me to thinking that I have a friend in Los Angeles and I have one in Germany that I consider good friends mm-hmm I mean I can call them any time and talk with them pretty much visit them any time and they'd let me visit yep So I mentioned that to Barth, and he says, well, that's why your good friends are so far away.
0: (laughs) I mean, there is that, the saying, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. I mean, there is an aspect of, in truth, in that, you know, that you miss someone you haven't seen them in a long time, so you tend to idealize the good times that you've had together. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I, I talked to my friend in Los Angeles, actually West Covina, I talk to him not on a regular basis but every couple of months and it just sounds good to me to
0: hear his voice yeah there's some refreshment in, yeah. in, in that it doesn't you don't have to do anything you don't have to talk about anything important Nope. just sometimes that camaraderie and familiarness is all that it takes to lift you up Yep. For sure. Um, why don't you read the next five for us, so eleven through fifteen. Okay.
1: Be wise, my son, and make your and make my heart glad, that I may reply to him who reproaches me. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The na- naive proceed and pay the penalty. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger, and for an adulterous woman, hold him in in pledge. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. A constant gripping on a day of steady rain, and a contentious
0: woman are alike. Mm You know, sometimes the Bible is just funny to me. <laughs> well, that's all right. It's uh, it's just kind of humorous. So like verse 14, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as a cursing. <laughs> you know, sure, I'd love to, to hear my friends say good morning, but if it's at 4 a.m., you know, It's not a good morning anymore.
1: Got a good time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and verse 12 was part of Elvis Presley's song.
0: Fools rush in. I think you're probably more familiar with Elvis' music (laughs) than I am. (laughs) Okay, yeah, probably. Sorry, didn't (laughs) need to throw that out there. Ugh. But fool's Russian was a line from one of his songs. Yeah. Well, the simple go on and suffer, but the prudence see danger and hide. And hide. Obviously, to avoid the danger. Um, The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Yeah. You don't want to go there. Oh, I can handle that. And I, well, maybe they don't even realize the danger. So they're not even looking ahead. You know, yep. they're they're not planning or they're not... are
1: focusing on something else. Right.
0: So it's interesting that verse 13 says, Take a man's government when he has put up security for a stranger. So is that saying kind of like, have something that's of value? Like, be smart in your business dealings, it sounds like. Oh, yes. Cause, because it wasn't uncommon for people to have maybe one or two changes of clothes, you know, like one or two garments, or or as it says here, a a garment. So when a person would come and stay with you, maybe they're a stranger traveling through the land and they're at your house and they're eating your food and they're sleeping in your house or whatever, it's probably not a bad idea to hold that person's garment, their, their cloak, you know, something of value that they don't have something else of, and kind of hold it as assurance.
1: That they're gonna pay your bill, pay no, the, the
0: bill. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. The parable of the the good Samaritan. He pays a payment to the innkeeper, and he says, hey, "Just take care of this guy. Here's what I have right now, and I'll pay you back later." So it's kind of that same idea of having some kind of assurance. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think verse fifteen. Um, so just kind of thinking about who wrote this, which is Solomon, who had who is known for his many wives and uh, many other concubines. I wonder if he's talking from experience here that a continual dripping on a rainy day <laughs> and a quarrelsome quarrelsome wife are the are like, you know, kind of this continual background dripping that you can't fix, you can't get rid of, and it just drives you crazy. Like a Chinese water torture. Yep, Chinese water torture is exactly what I was thinking. But also in Proverbs it says a good wife is a gift from God, you know, a a blessing. And I think this is more, this isn't as much dogging on women as it is, I think, warning the readers of this to... Find a godly woman, a a woman who doesn't have these quality traits, someone who is going to lift you up and support you. Well, yeah, you know, I mean,
1: sure, you want to look out for the best mate possible, but then again, too, I think there's some responsibility on the husband's side. Why is your wife contentious? Or why is your,
0: your roof leaking? (laughs) <laughs> you, know, you haven't fixed it. There's something you need to do. That's right. So maybe it's also... Really? That's kind of what Proverbs is meant to do, is kind of, as you read it, maybe make you think about the situation and kind of chew it over, and there's yep. different aspects that come out of it. So sure, maybe you should be looking out for a good wife when you're picking one. you know? But also... Maybe there's something on your part that you have to do to fix it. Just kind of like a leaky, a leaky roof or this drip that keeps happening on a rainy day that is, what, is going. What do
1: you on. suppose would make a woman contentious?
0: And there's a lot of things that you could do that wouldn't make someone upset at you, make a wife upset at you. I feel well, like we could sit here all day and start writing check marks. You don't us. know
1: what a contentious
0: wife is. No, Amber is very, very sweet uncontentious huh? very uncontentious she's probably going to listen to this <laughs> she is a very very good wife however i've known many people and i've known different kinds of people and i've i've seen struggling relationships up close and they're they're hard to be around yes I had many friends in high school whose parents were going through divorces at the time, and I would be over at their house or whatever. And it's always, it kind of brings sorrow into your yeah. heart Here, you're just kind of wishing for something better. I wish the roof was fixed. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, but a contentious woman is like, has no concern, really. For what her husband wants or thinks, there's no respect. There's no submission. I ain't. I'm not submitting to that idiot. Hmm. I mean, and they've had television programs made especially for women like this. I'm thinking of Roseanne, for one. If you're gonna, if you're gonna waste your time watching it measure from the beginning how long it takes before she hollers at somebody because that's her thing. The contentious woman doesn't care. I'm sitting in a restaurant with you keeping my voice down and if I didn't care for you and I don't care what these other people think about you I would let them know what you're like
2: mm-hmm.
1: at the top of my lungs just to get my point across. They do and you can't really live in a situation like that.
0: Yeah. There's also a warning here I think to people in general is to not be like this. You know? Do you not be quarrelsome? You know just kind of this general principle of living that yeah. you want to abide by, to stay away from that. What verse was that?
2: Fifteen.
0: I have like I think verse sixteen is tied to it, so I think we should do yeah. some justice and do, read it. Read both verses. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind, or to grasp oil as one's right, or to grasp oil in one's right hand. It is extremely difficult to grasp any liquid. Give me a handful of oil. <laughs> it is extremely difficult to restrain the wind. In fact, some people would probably say it's impossible to do. Yeah. So, uh, don't get yourself in that situation. The best way to fix a leaky roof is to buy a house with a good roof. To not have the, to not have the problem in the first place. All right. And to do your due diligence on upkeep, you know. There's some responsibility on everybody in this situation. Yes. Nobody is without guilt. Yeah. And as men, we're called to be godly men men who live by godly principles and if we're really striving to do that then hopefully there is no reason to be quarrelsome with us right except for maybe the sake of christ which is if they just disagree with him in principle then they might persecute us or disagree with us on that and if that's the case then that's a good thing but in any other way of life or in any other situation a christian should be very very hard to be against you know they should live at peace with everybody as long as it depends on them, you know? Yes. Yeah. As much as it depends on you. And uh, in, is it 1 Timothy where men are called to be, to lay down their lives for their wives? Ephesians. Sorry. Ephesians. It's in Ephesians where men are called down, are called to be like Christ to their wives, you know, to, to care for them to the point of laying down their life for them. <clears throat> and if you're willing to put down your life, what else are you willing to do? You know, the the implication is that you should be willing to do anything else yeah. up until that point. You know, up there to land,
1: including.
0: Yep. Why don't we go ahead and move on? Okay. Why don't we just finish off the chapter here?
1: Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. He who, he who tends the. F- Fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who cares for the master will be honored. As in water face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. Sheol and Abidon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded him. Hmm. Though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from it. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herd. For riches are not forever nor does a crown endure to all generations when the grass disappears the new growth is seen and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in the lambs will be for young your clothing and goats will bring the price of a field and there will be goat milk enough for your food and the food of your household and sustenance
0: for your maidens. I really like this verse of 17. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And whoever attends a fig tree will eat its fruit. Kind of this idea of, back in this time especially, or I mean, just as a basic principle, you can only sharpen it with something that's as hard or harder you can't well, sharpen no, something with well, it. Well,
1: but, but, what if you take a knife and use a leather strap, doesn't that sharpen it?
0: Don't you also have to have some kind of particulate, particular? I thing? don't
1: know. I've never
0: seen it. I think you have to have some kind of material. I guess you can. You could sharpen something with something that's softer. It just takes a really, really long time. Yeah, well, an iron does it quickly and efficiently. Yeah.
1: Well, I think the strap on a sharp blade, and if you use a stone on it, it will make it sharp. But there will be an, a little imperfection on the point.
0: Yeah, burr. Yeah,
1: where it's curved, turned over. Mm-hmm. The last stroke on the stone, it's going to send it out of true, and that is not going to make the blade sharp. Right. But the leather strap wears that away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, at least that's my theory. Yeah, no, that's... I'm not the knife guy. Well, when you're sharpening a knife, you're right. You do get a burr on the edge, and it's that leather strap that... But you don't... You can even use your hand or a piece of cloth to, to part, brush away that burr. And then a leather strap with a fine grit paste on it uh, really hones the blade and polishes it. To where you have a mirror-like finish on yeah. the edge, and that that really that really creates a good cutting edge. And then this verse, "Iron sharpens iron," is kind of kind of just like goes towards the fact that the best thing to sharpen something with is something of the same hardness, you know, the same material, and. Like you can't sharpen a diamond unless you use diamond cutting stones or I guess sure. you could use a laser to cut them. But you know, it's this idea of by rubbing up against one another, I think, metaphorically speaking, you're not actually rubbing up against another person to make yourself sharper, but kind of like talking about and butting heads and yep. talking through things is what brings about growth and sharpening. And I think that's important for us to do with fellow men, people Great. in general.
1: Right, and it's it's like, with the idea of making somebody sharper... A more useful tool. Yeah, and we're in discussion, and you're thinking, how can I make this old fart any sharper? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's going to, I think, influence how you respond to some of my statements. Your interest is my good. Make sense?
0: Yeah.
1: And mine should be the same for you. So if I can share something with you that's important Mm -hmm. and valuable, that helps your sharpness. Yes. By the same token, the other side, if I can help take something away that is detrimental, that also affects your sharpness.
0: Yep. But that... That can only happen if there's dialogue. Mm-hmm. if we just sit next to each other in silence it's not gonna do anything.
2: Yeah. So I think the
0: encouragement here is to find someone you trust and uh, someone who maybe has studied in the word and spend time talking to them. Oh yeah yeah because you're both going to grow from it. Well and two
1: it, uh, it's also valuable to find somebody that doesn't like you true.
0: Critics are
1: Because they funny. will be
0: brutally honest. Yeah. Or a little kid. <laughs> because sometimes they tell you the truth, but no one else will. Yeah. And then the same goes to the rest of us. verse. Whoever tends to a fig tree will eat its fruit. Whoever does the work will, will reap the benefit. Yeah. I like this idea of... Um, and 18 carries on the thought, whoever guards his master will be honored. You know, whoever, whoever does diligent work will reap the benefit in yeah. the end. And then as face reflects face and water, so the heart of man reflects the man. Kind of the, true, the trueness of who we are is reflected in our heart. In God, of course, as scripture says, looks at the heart. And that really reflects uh-huh. who we really are out of the heart the mouth speaks
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, you know everybody knows Jeremiah's thoughts about that the heart is desperately wicked
0: uh, verse 19 Sheol and Abdenon are never satisfied and never satisfied are the eyes of the man which is just kind of Sheol of course is uh, the Hebrew word for grave and. No matter how many people have died, the grave doesn't stop taking people, you know? That's right.
1: Unless you live on a very small island. (laughs) Maybe. But Abaddon is a
0: destroyer, right? Yep. You're never satisfied. And never satisfied are the eyes of man, too. You know, kind of this continual hunger for the things that we long for. Oh, look. Look at that view. What a great view from here. Have you ever had a big meal where you're just super (laughs) full after? Oh, yes. Have you ever eaten after that point? Did you ever eat another meal? Oh, yeah. So even though you were satisfied in that moment, in the end, you weren't, you know? You became hungry again. But I think this is just kind of... uh,
1: It's an evil cycle. We just keep having... Return to IHOP.
0: <laughs> I really like this idea of uh, comparing uh, praise. Here we see in verse 20, I like the idea of comparing praise to this kind of idea of refinement of precious metals. So, as you, as you do a fire assay or as you uh, do some kind of burning furnace refinement, the silver and gold become of a higher purity. And you can tell the purity of a metal by its melting point. And so I think this praise is is supposed to be equivalent to the fire. You know, what happens when you're praised? You know, how do you take that? And that really shows your true purity. You know, when someone lifts you up and they they give you praise, do you just take it in? Um, and wallow Pat in it. Padded a little yeah. here and there. And uh, I remember a lesson that my dad taught me as a little kid. I did something good in some kind of project or something, and that I kept asking him about it, and he kept telling me I did a good job. And then I asked him about it again. He's like, "Now you're just, now you're just looking for praise. You know, you shouldn't do that." <laughs> is pretty much what he said, <laughs> and I'm sure that kind of wisdom comes from some from places like this, mm-hmm. you know. What praise will corrupt you? Mm-hmm. It will be like
1: a a drug that you gotta have. Yeah, you know, feeding your
0: ego or whatever. It's never satisfied.
1: It is. That's right. Like 22. That's kind of a humorous verse. <laughs>
0: Crush a fool with a mortar and with a pestle along with crushed grain and yet his folly will not depart from him. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like no matter how much you you grind away, it's, yep. you can't escape him. Fool isn't going to learn. Fools are fools. But you don't have to stay a fool, I guess, if you... You don't have to. If you read Proverbs and you take it seriously. That's why it was written.
1: To give subtlety to the simple. The mm-hmm. twenty-three is that pastoral verse. Yep. Know well the condition of your flocks, and pay attention to your
0: herd. Just kind of a basic. I mean, if you actually did have a flock, if you actually did have some kind of livestock, do you want to pay attention to them. Are they are they getting sick? Is there a disease going around? Are they having kids? You know. Are they like, getting fed, watered? Yep. Protected from the elements? Yep. Is there any predators who've been coming around? You know, you want to keep tabs on them because they're they're important. And obviously, there's this analogy of being a good shepherd, you know, of being a shepherd of, of a flock as a pastor, which is what that word literally means. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: it's the job of a pastor and I think the job of the elders of a church to keep a good eye on how the health of the church is. Are there things
1: happening to the people of the church that you don't know about?
0: Yeah, probably. I don't know the extent, the full extent of everybody's life, but, you know, it's... You have to do your best to keep up with people because the only way to fix a problem is to know there's one in the first place You know. Don't do you know where everybody lives mm-hmm.
1: knowing the condition of your flock and paying attention to your herd I think part of that is knowing how to get to their house and I would on Sunday mornings uh, because I sat up front behind the pulpit while the offertory was going or whatever and I had time to let my th- thoughts wander I would look over the people in the congregation do I know where they live mm-hmm. and the first one I come to that I didn't know where they live that was the person one of the people I was going to visit that week yes.
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it might be a visitor first time person but I don't know where they live and I might need to know that
2: yeah.
1: So that, was, that would be my process for doing it. But that's only one little aspect. Yeah. And there is the old idea that you, they're not going to open up to you about what's happening in their life until they know you care about them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think sometimes, that's definitely true.
1: Sometimes I think it can be flipped around when they open up about the intimate things about their life, then they'll know you care about them because you don't make fun of them.
2: Yeah.
1: Riches aren't forever. A crown doesn't even endure to all generations. When the grass disappears, a new growth is seen. There's a couple of times I can think of where it says men are like the grass or the flower of the field. They spring up and boop, they're gone. That's exactly what he's talking about here.
0: We're like the fog in the morning. And the sun comes and it's gone. Yeah. I think it's just kind of a general reality check. You know, uh-huh. hey, this is the reality that these things don't last forever. And... They look like they're real now. And you need to do good with them while you have them. You need to prepare... Um, Store up and get ready for things. There's a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom here. Good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And we only touched on four chapters of <laughs> Proverbs. There's a lot more. Thirty-one. You can read one a day mm-hmm. for a month. Yep. So, anything else you feel like we should touch in in chapter twenty-seven before we conclude for the day?
1: Uh, no, I think I covered it, uh, we covered it pretty good.
0: I agree. Well, uh, thanks again for listening to another episode of Breakfast Theology. Stop you, back next week. Yeah, stop back next week. And uh, if you are so inclined, uh, you can leave a comment or question or uh, criticism or anything like that at our email at breakfasttheology at gmail.com, and uh, we'll get to it on the show. All right, uh, until next time... Uh, Have a good week, and uh, hopefully you look forward to the next episode. Yes, goodbye, everybody. Over and out.